The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Book of Mormon podcast. You have us as always, your hosts, Kevin and Shelby. Hey there. And we are discussing Alma chapter 58 today. And we're, as always, very excited. I feel like I say that every time I introduce a chapter, but we are always excited to talk about the Book of Mormon and our Savior and to find him in these war chapters specifically. So I think we should just dive right in as kevin always says one thing i wanted to bring up is that we've been we've been in this epistle from helaman for what seems like a really long time because it's been it's three chapters um and this is the final chapter covering his epistle to moroni so just wanted to put that out there and then we can yeah we can dive in yeah so where do you want to start I feel like we should read the chapter summary or no. Sure. We don't have to if you don't want to. No. Do you feel impressed to start somewhere else? No, we were just, I was just going to dive into chapter one or gotcha. verse one. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So the heading says, Helaman, Gid, and Tiamner take the city of Manti by a stratagem. The Lamanites withdraw. The sons of the people of Ammon are preserved as they stand fast in defense of their liberty and faith. So another little story of taking a city. So the city of Manti. So in in verse, do you want to dive in now with verse one? Yeah. So they, their next object uh, after making these, you know, having victories and, and escaping destruction or avoiding destruction, you know, fighting valiantly and taking other cities Helaman and his 2,000 plus little sons and the other Nephites with them, they turned their attention to reclaim the city of Manti. So, so many of these cities were taken by the Lamanites, uh, you know, invasion of the land. And now there's another opportunity to, you know, to reclaim a, a lost city. But it says that the Lamanites remembered that which they had hitherto done. Therefore, we could not decoy them or decoy them away from their strongholds. So the Lamanites are becoming a little bit more wise. They're also learning from the past. Mm -hmm. And so because Helaman doesn't have a, a way yet to lure the Lamanites out of the city or to take the city by stratagem. Obviously we know that's coming, but it's expedient that they should wait. Yeah. And I, in this waiting time, they, part of the reason, oh, I think you just mentioned this, but I blanked out. (laughs) They, they, the Lamanites have such a big army, right? So that's why, that's why they're waiting. And so they're trying to, uh, I guess strategize in this moment too. 
And I love in the scriptures the phrase, um, and thus we see. But something that I'm learning to love even more is the phrase, and it was expedient, or it became expedient. I feel like it kind of has the same, uh, I don't know, I just like it. I like that phrase. And so it it says it twice in this verse, in verse 3. It became expedient that they should employ or that we should employ our men to the maintaining those parts of the land which they had regained of our possessions. And then again, it says, therefore it became expedient that we should wait, that we might receive more strength from the land of Zarahemla and also a new supply of provisions. So I just, I love that the word expedient, it, it, it works for their good. And we'll see here in these verses, like in verse four, four, five, seven, eight, we'll, we'll talk about them right now, but Basically, they wanted to wait to receive the provisions from Zarahemla. And it's funny because in verse 5, it says, This did profit us but little. Uh, Because the Lamanites, while the Nephites are waiting, are getting stronger. Um, They're getting provisions. And so they're like, oh, nothing's happening. We're just sitting here not really making any progress. And the Lamanites are making a ton of progress from what it sounds like in verse 5. And they were even coming upon them from time to time. I don't really know the definition of the word sallying. It says, and the Lamanites were sallying forth against us from time to time. We looked that up a couple of weeks ago. It means to come out of a place of defense. Mm -hmm. So the Lamanites are coming out of their fortress to attack. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, this is why you read the scriptures over and over so you can remember. But they're even coming upon them to battle. Uh... But, you know, it's, it's not, the circumstance isn't good that the Nephites are in regardless to say, right? And they're, they're having, they're trying to have faith in the Lord. And I love verse seven, it says, and it came to pass that we did wait in these difficult circumstances for the space of many months, even until we are about to perish for the want of food. So can I talk about that BYU devotional really quick? I forgot the the name of who gave it, but Kevin can look it up. But just recently there was a BYU devotional given a week ago, a week or two ago. And he was talking about stories of deliverance. And he talked about like the top 10 trending movies of all time. Okay. Kevin brought it up. It's Michael S. Drake who gave this and we can link it in the show notes. Uh, Anyway, go and watch this, but he talks about the top 10 movies trending of all time. And all of them are basically stories besides the Titanic about deliverance, about a, they're going to lose and then something happens where they win. And a lot of the uh, Avengers and things were those movies. And I thought about our what we were studying this week. Right here, we have a story about deliverance that's about to happen. Um, they are waiting in these difficult circumstances, they're literally about to run out of food. They don't have an army um, of very many people. And what are they to do? Like their back is up against the wall, right? So I just, I love these stories in the scriptures and who is the one delivering them? It's the savior, right? It's always the savior because they're turning to him and having faith in him and acting in faith too. Mm-hmm. So a couple things happen next. As they wait, so they send a petition to the the governor of Zarahemla, requesting 
assistance requesting provisions and manpower. It came to pass that they did receive food, in verse 8, which was guarded to them by an army of 2,000 men. And this is all the assistance which we did receive to defend ourselves and our country from falling into the hands of our enemies, yea, to contend with an enemy which was innumerable. So the Lamanites are receiving provisions and additional soldiers, you know, constantly. And all Helaman receives is 2,000 men and food. And that's that's it. Now, you know, that's that's something, but in comparison and, and what they're up against, that's not going to do a lot for them, right? Or they think it's not going to do well, a lot yes. for them. Well, yes. I mean, practically, like, they're just looking at, you know, logistics. the logistics. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, the, the cause of these are embarrassments, or the cause why they did not send more strength unto us, we knew not. Therefore, we were grieved and also filled with fear, lest by any means the judgments of God should come upon our land to our overthrow and utter destruction. So they don't really understand. And this is, again, this is Helaman writing to Moroni, um, kind of saying like, hey, we, I don't know why this is happening, but um, maybe implying that, uh, that someone else needs to, to speak up which is, I think, a little bit of foreshadowing. But but instead, it says in verse 10, therefore we did pour out our souls in prayer to God. And this reminded me of something that Shelby and I just read yesterday. We started reading the Missionary Standards, or what is it? It's called uh, the, the Missionary Handbook. Well, it's the Missionary Handbook, but it, it's a little bit more, uh, it's also directed toward all disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's called Missionary Standards for Disciples of Jesus Christ. And so certainly it's for the missionaries serving full-time missions. But when it was introduced, I felt like this was, it's missionary standards for all disciples of Jesus Christ. And it even talks about in that handbook, if you will, that the things you learn while serving the Lord you're supposed to perpetuate throughout your whole life. This is an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ all throughout your life. With that being said, it talked about if you have a question about mission rules or the standards found in this, this handbook, first ask God and pray to know and, and pray to receive more understanding. Then talk to your companion then your young missionary leaders, and then your mission president and senior mission leaders. This is kind of interesting because this is what Helaman's doing here. He's, he's not, he, he did ask for assistance from the governor of the land, which makes sense because he's, he's uh, in this military fu uh, function. But when he has a concern about why they didn't receive any more assistance, the first thing they do is they pray, they pour out their souls in prayer to God, that he would strengthen us and deliver us out of the hands of our enemies. 
yea, and also give us strength that we might retain our cities and our lands and our possessions for the support of our people. And then it came to pass that the Lord our God did visit us with assurances that he would deliver us, yea, insomuch that he did speak peace to our souls and did grant unto us great faith and did cause us that we should hope for our deliverance in him. And that's exactly why I brought up the stories of deliverance earlier, like through Christ. Something I learned from verses 9 and 10, I loved your perspective of what we've been reading. I loved that he said we were we were worried that the reason we didn't get as many people or as much food was because we we weren't doing something right. Like they internally reflected, like, are these the judgments of God coming down upon us? And then immediately I, when I was reading, I, I just thought of the phrase, if you do what's right, you have no need to fear. Um, and that's from the song, Let Us All Press On. And so what do they do? Like Kevin said, they prayed, right? We see it here in verse 10. And they were assured that they were doing what was right and they didn't need to fear. And the Lord, their helper, would ever be near, right? Right. And so he was, and he is, and he will continue to be for us. We can apply this to our lives today. And so I love, that's something I learned from verses nine and 10, that it is always important to reflect, am I doing what I should be? And ask the Lord that question. And then he will give you either an assurance that you are, or no, you need to change, right? Yeah. And you need to do better. In this case, they were doing what they should be, right? And so they they took courage. Yeah, verse 12, they take courage. It says, we did take courage with our small force, which we had received, and were fixed with a determination to conquer our enemies and to maintain our lands and our possessions and our wives and our children and the cause of our liberty. And what I what I thought about, what came to my mind, was the quote from President Russell Nelson. The joy we feel has little little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. And it made me think of Helaman. Helaman was not a soldier. He was actually an ecclesiastical leader, right? We, we talked about uh, him as the son of Alma, right? He kind of continued... Uh, he, he kept the scriptures and he continued in, you know, the ministry. And Moroni is really, has really been the, you know, soldier of the scriptures. But Helaman had to come into this role as a leader, a military leader of men. And he maintained his faith in the Lord, irrespective of his circumstances, the circumstance of every single one of his 2,000 stripling warriors are injured, right? The cities um, have been claimed by the Lamanites. Like, this is a man who was able to maintain his faith uh, despite the circumstances. He could have easily lost that faith and trust in the Lord um, if he wasn't so rooted or fixed with a determination from the very beginning. Now he's fixed with a determination to conquer his enemies. But he was first fixed with a determination that the Lord always keeps his promises to his covenant people. So it's true. 
Uh, so moving on with the narrative here, the story, they are determined to go and to fight with the reassurance of the Lord. And so they go forth and uh, they're going, like I said, they're going to take the city Manti, just to remember the city. And they go out into the wilderness and the Lamanites actually in verse 14, um, they send spies out to discover the strength of the Nephites army. And so in 15, it says, and it came to pass that when they saw that they were not strong, according to our numbers, and fearing that we should cut them off from their support, they should come out to battle against us and kill us. And also supposing that they could easily destroy us with their numerous host, because, right, the numbers are obviously not even. Therefore, they began to make preparations to come out against us to battle. So they see that they're a smaller army and they're like, oh, we got this, basically, is how to put that into modern language. Like, we have more numbers than they do, so this should be easy. Um, and so they see that they're making the preparations to come out to them. And so this is where some strategy starts to take place. So Gid, have we heard Gid's name yet? Yeah, we have. We heard him last chapter. So Gid, with his small number of men, goes into, this is in verse 16, by the way, they go and it says, secrete himself in the wilderness. And also that Tiander um, and a small number of his men should go and do the same thing. And he meant this by having Gid be on the right and then the others on the left. So they're hidden. They're, they're secret out there. And I thought of the scripture, and I shall be on your right hand and I shall be on your left with my angels around about you to bear you up. So I just thought of the strategy here. <laughs> they're literally going on the right and they're going on the left and they're hiding in secret as part of their strategy here. And so the remainder of the army stays in the same place where they had pitched their tents um, and they know the Lamanites are about to come out to battle. So they just stay there. And the Lamanites do come out against them. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and they were about to come and basically kill everybody. But he caused that his men who were with him should just run into the wilderness. Just flee. Don't even try to fight. Just run away. And so there's another part of the strategy here, right? So they start running. And obviously the Lamanites are going to follow them because they're trying to kill them. And... It says, for they were exceedingly desirous to overtake us, that they might slay us. Therefore, they did follow us. And in the midst, we did pass by Gid and Tioner, insomuch that they were not discovered by the Lamanites. So they run right past Gid and Tioner, hiding on the right and on the left. And so in verse 20 here, it came to pass that when the Lamanites had passed by, or when the army had passed by Gid and Tioner, did rise up from their secret places and did cut off the spies of the Lamanites that they should not return to the city. So they got their spies, right? I just thought that was one of the coolest strategies <laughs> in the Book of Mormon here. <laughs> there's so many, but I just loved, I loved that whole, and there's more to come, but I just love that whole on the right and on the left and okay they're gonna run let's take their spies they're not gonna see us here we go and let's keep moving forward but i just i love that strategy there very inspired right despite their small numbers and of course there's still lamanites running after a group of people so we gotta do something about that but at least we have their spies now right i don't know do you have any thoughts i just want to stop there and talk for a second no okay i, I don't do you want to finish on yeah, so after the the Nephites 
cut them off from returning to the city. They go and they they fall upon the guards who were left to guard the city. Insomuch that they did destroy them and did take possession of the city. And in verse 22 it says, Now this was done because the Lamanites did suffer their whole army, save a few guards only, to be led away into the wilderness. They're crazy. <laughs> but it just shows it shows their... Um, Intentions? Well, no, they're just their confidence, like their overconfidence. Their pride. Their pride, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, we won't need to leave anyone really to guard the city because we think we know the whole situation. We know that there's not enough... Uh, there's not enough Nephites that are going to be able to contend with us. Well, that leads to Mansai being obtained uh, by Gid and Teomner. And it came to pass in verse 23 that we took our course after having traveled much in the wilderness towards the land of Zarahemla. <laughs> so Helaman and his portion of the army are still booking it. <laughs> And they look behind them and they see that the Lamanites, they are marching towards the land of Zarahemla and they become afraid lest there was a plan laid. Well, there was a plan, but, but they, not the plan they thought. <laughs> right. A plan laid to lead them on to destruction. Therefore, they began to, to retreat into the wilderness again, yet even back by the same way which they had come. And now night falls, they pitch their tents. It says, for the chief captains of the Lamanites had supposed that the Nephites were weary because of their march, and supposing that they had driven their whole army, therefore they took no thought concerning the city of Manti. So they're just like, well, we'll, we'll camp for the night. We certainly don't have to worry about Manti <laughs> because the Nephites are running in the opposite direction. Yeah. And sorry, I love this next verse. It says, when they went when they went to sleep, the Nephites, they go back to Manti, but a different way. Not the same way they ran away from it, but they go back a different way to Manti. So smart. You know, obviously they don't want to get caught by the Lamanites here. I mean right. that's given, but like just so smart that they went back another way to Manti. And I don't know. And just amazing strategy. I was just impressed with the whole strategy here. And I can't say that enough. I've said it like 15 yeah. times already. Sorry, guys. Well, what I take, what I notice is that Helaman caused that his men should not sleep, but that they should march back to Manti another way. So they've been, they've been up for just as long as the Lamanites, but they don't sleep. It's, it's a sacrifice mm. for a greater cause. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I have stayed up 24 hours in a row, like nonstop. And, you know, there does come a time where you get to rest, you know, especially when you have a new baby, like there's time when you do get to rest, but it is a sacrifice for a short time. And this is just one night that he's asking them to stay awake and, and get back to Manti because it's so critical to take this land of Manti back without the shedding of blood, Right. We're not going to fight them with their swords, but we're going to take them back a different way. And they do it without the shedding of blood. And it does say in verse 28 that they do take, they make it back and they take the city of Manti. Yeah. Now, when the Lamanites arrive near Manti, 
they see that the Nephites are prepared to meet them. And they were astonished exceedingly. And they were struck with great fear insomuch that they did flee into the wilderness. In verse 30, it came to pass that the armies of the Lamanites did flee out of all this quarter of the land. But behold, they have carried with them many women and children out of the land. And those cities which had been taken by the Lamanites, all of them are at this period of time in our possession. And our fathers and our women and our children are returning to their homes, all save it be those who have been carried prisoner or taken prisoner and carried off by the Lamanites. So they've they've restored this quarter of the land back to the Nephite, you know, power, um, possession, which is, I mean, given the the odds, given the imbalance um, between the two forces, it's really only miraculous. It's only a miracle that they were able to do this. And um, I guess what what I just want to double down on is that this is where we see the Lord. This is where we see the promises. And but but more importantly, the Lord didn't just do this for them. Most recently, they had to go a whole night without sleep and march all night. Before that, they had to be fixed in their determination. They couldn't give up. They couldn't just say, man, why doesn't the Lord keep his promises already? Right. And so there's so much faith and so much action here that, it, it, of course, the Lord's going to keep his promises with all of us, but we have to work. We have to, uh, you know, make make the effort ourselves. What I love about this is verse 33. Mm-hmm. They say, we trust we trust in our God who has given us victory over the lands in so much that we have obtained those cities and those lands which were our own. And 34. Now we do not know the cause of that the government does not grant us more strength. Neither do those men who came up unto us know why we have not received greater strength. What I love about this is they, when they received the the extra support, which wasn't very much in their eyes, right? Obviously it wasn't, but um, they don't get fixated on that and become angry and mad and like resentful almost. And like, oh, we have to wait even longer because that's not enough men, right? They, instead of that, like Kevin talked about earlier in their circumstances, they just continued forward. They looked to the focus of their lives, which was God and Jesus Christ, and they moved forward and they still don't know why they didn't receive all those stronger enforcements but look at the victory that came because they pressed forward and the focus of their life was christ like that's so powerful you can either focus on why me why did this happen or you can get to work and look to christ and move forward and not ask why me right it, I don't know. It just was a very powerful lesson to me of of that, of those parallels. Because how different would this story have been if they just said, oh, we got to wait even longer? Yeah. Right. So moving forward in verse 35, I I think this, and this goes back to exactly what you were saying, Shell. It says, we do not desire to murmur. Yeah. So that's, that's Helaman expressing like, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to complain but i am 
curious why we haven't received more assistance. First, he says, I think in verse 35, it's kind of hard to understand for me, but I think what he's saying is that Moroni must have, for some reason, drawn away the forces into, you know, where like he's fighting, right? Mm. Like, yeah, maybe like, oh, the, the, the allocation of military power had to be moved elsewhere, so we just couldn't get the, the resources that we needed. Right. Okay. But he says in 36, if this is not so, if Moroni, you are not the one who has, you know, uh, led and, and organized the military, um, you know, movement in the land, we fear that there's some faction in the government that they do not send more mentor assistance for we know that they are more numerous than that which they have sent. He's like, listen, we've got the guys, right? Right. So there has to be either either you're doing it, which we're not going to murmur. We understand that you have your reasons. But if you're not the one, because remember, like Moroni is all the way over there. He doesn't know that Helaman and his men are going without. He has to be notified of this in order to make some some change. So something that I love following what Kevin just said is that he does say, but behold, it mattereth not. <laughs> Because we trust that God will deliver us, notwithstanding the weakness of our armies. So regardless of if it was you and you had something else going on or there's something going on in the government, it doesn't matter because we know that God will deliver us as as we're faithful to him, right? And so that, in summary, (laughs) ends the 29th year in the latter end is what it says. And so they're in possession of all their lands again. And in 39, it talks about the sons of the people of Ammon. So the stripling warriors. He's just saying it in a weird way. He's saying it in a different way. Okay. He's saying the sons of the people of Ammon. He says that not one of them have been slain, uh, but they have received many wounds in verse 40. He follows up with that. But nevertheless, they stand fast in, in their cause, right? Like, Liberty, being free, remembering their Lord, keeping the commandments, all the things. And in 41, he closes it out. He says, now my beloved brother Moroni, may the Lord our God who has redeemed us and made us free keep you continually in his presence. Yea, and may he favor this people, even that ye may have success in obtaining the possessions of all that which the Lamanites have taken from us, which was for our support. So that... That concludes Helaman's situational report to Moroni. We are reading this with, uh, frankly, nowhere near the same emotion that's got to be like, imagine Moroni reading this epistle. I mean, the roller coaster of emotions. He's like, where's this going? You know, like first they're, they, they don't even, they don't have anybody to fight. And then they receive these young men. And I mean, they're young men. They're, they're probably not trained. You know, they're not trained warriors, right? But then they make all of these great uh, victories. And even the strongest uh, Lamanite army is defeated by these little sons. And, <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, Moroni being fortified in his faith. Uh, and his testimony that the Lord's hand really is over this people because he's seeing evidence of that. 
but also now in closing, realizing they did it all alone. They were over there uh, making things happen, but they received no real assistance from the government. And so here, as we move into chapter 59, Moroni, he sends an epistle uh, to the governor, to Pahoran, and he wants to figure out what what's going on. What's the cause of this? And we're going to go deep into that um, over the next couple of chapters. And that'll, that'll take us through the, the end of the war chapters. Yep. And we're going to learn a lot about communication. Yes. Which I love this example for communications. Also, sorry if you hear Addie girl, she woke up from her nap. So, yeah. but I know my mom will love to hear her. So yeah. there you go, mom. <laughs> anyway okay y'all well that there was a, a shorter uh episode today but we had to get this it was not expedient that we continue into ama 59 we'll um, probably do 59 and 60 next week so. probably yeah. But yeah we're excited we'll be back so we'll see you next week thanks y'all My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.